content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It really matters. And I'm so excited to be back for the second part of our conversation with Teresa. Really inspiring lady. Wonderful information to share. I know, Sissy, I agree. It was such a beautiful story about her son self-advocating about what bus he wanted to ride. So you guys have a listen to part two where she continues to educate us about stating questions as statements for her son, his football triumphs. Teresa, I love that you started framing things in statements because those are so much easier to process than questions are for our kids. And, you know, I've read a little bit of literature that suggests that echolalia is kind of a process for buying time, right? You know, you repeat the question because you're still trying to figure out what it is she's sending. But I love you also saw the importance of shifting back and asking questions because that's a statement. I mean, that's a request to him that would have been almost impossible to put as a statement. As a statement, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, he didn't repeat that, but then again, when I tried to get more information, he's like silent. And so I think part of what I think he may have been, what may have been going on for him is I've already answered this. Sure. I'm not going I'm not going to repeat it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know another way to say second bus. I don't know how else to explain this to you. I don't want the second bus. Or the little bus or the smaller bus. Yeah. Exactly. That's amazing. Gosh. So now did they put him on the Jenna bus? Yeah. So kindergarten comes, here comes the big bus. I am so, so nervous. And uh, he gets on the bus and he goes to school and he starts general education kindergarten and um there were a lot of bumpy roads Mm -hmm. but he remained on that general education school bus and he ended up going through his educational career in regular classrooms i think the toughest time for him was was uh during middle school mm-hmm. it was a very tough time mm-hmm. a lot of hormones mm-hmm. um we get to high school he signs up for football football his his friends that he'd been going to school with from elementary school some of them were on the football team they would help him line up when he got a chance to play That's and he played all the way through high school and he won an award at uh, during his senior year as best speaker as the captain of the team because you hand him a mic and he was like you know Conan O'Brien off and running <laughs> really yeah yeah he, he was quiet as a, a little one and so yeah. that's amazing yeah, yeah, but he was very, very funny. Uh, just and 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 there was a summer that I took him to the Alley Theater summer camp, and they developed a play and and rehearsed. And that at the end of the summer, they they um, they delivered the play, and in the uh, the the party after the play, people would be, we were coming up to him and just patting him on the back and, you know, talking to him about his comedic timing. And 
<laughs> it was quite a splash. <laughs> I am so excited for him. And I know that he went to school as well after high school. Yeah. Yeah. So this was somebody, you know, at when he was tested, his IQ was 58. He graduated high school, passed one of the star exams for reading. He was the best reader in the class. His his reading teacher told me that mm. um, out of everybody. And he was the best reader. And so he ended up going to Brazosport College for one semester. He took a couple classes. It was not his thing. He did not want to be at Brazosport College um, or in college. He wanted to be a barber. So we ended up going through what was called DARS at the time. There were several other things, though, that had to come into place before he could go to school um, or barber school. We had to figure out how we were going to get him there because all the schools are in Houston. We're about 60 miles southwest of Houston. Yes. So my son decided that he was going to get his driver's license. And he did. He he did. It took about a year. He got his um, his driver's license. And then what we had been doing during that permit was driving back and forth with him back and forth to the the barber school that he chose that he wanted to go to. So he learned how to go back and forth. Um, He learned the route. And eventually that's the barber school that he ended up going to. That's amazing. So just for our listeners, DARS is now the Texas Workforce Commission. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So does your son drive anywhere other than to work? He drives wherever he wants to go. He's got a driver's (laughs) license. He's an adult. He makes his own decisions. And and he's very good at letting me know, or most of the time, (laughs) where he's going to go. And But yeah, he'll he'll drive into Lake Jackson or, you know, a little town close close by. What a success story. You know, Sissy, we always talk about how we never have a crystal ball. And, you know, I've kept up with Teresa over the years just through social media and things. And I read about it. And I'm like, that's my boy. Oh, my gosh. It's so much. I feel so proud for him. And so you mentioned that he'll go wherever he wants to go. Does he have a pretty sound social network? Well, he was working. Um, he was working at a, a barbershop in a, a close by town and he had made some friends there. He's not there any longer. It, it's been a couple of months now. So with the price of gas and everything that mm-hmm. actually ended up being kind of a, you know, a, a hidden sort of blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll he'll drive wherever he wants to go. I mean, he's a little isolated with social mm-hmm. activities. He is in an HCS program, and there was a invitation to a, a social activity that I I that he just received actually, and I need to let him know um, okay. about that. So I'm hoping that he'll that he'll want to do that. He is on social media. Okay, uh, he does want to date. So he is on a a couple of different online dating platforms, talking to, to different um, people. And so, yeah, he's, he does what he wants to do. That's amazing. (laughs) And, you know, there's no reason in, in, in life that he should not have a a job and drive and have a companion and maybe get married, you know, like those are such important skills. And, you know, I feel like you as a parent, and I know his dad and siblings helped as well, that, you know, you really helped mold that 
you know, and, and mold that to where he is a part of the community, which is, you know, our goal for all people. Well, yeah. And this was exactly why I advocated for him to be included mm-hmm. in school because um, I didn't see some certain things changing and I didn't see, you know, school being able to change um, those things other than, you know, supporting him to be successful to just, you know, be able to navigate and get around the local community, just like any one of us. Sure. Uh, I heard something one time, there's no, there's no self-contained McDonald's. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I think another piece to that, and Cece, I know you've been writing some questions and notes, but another piece to that is that, you know, your son is very bright and is capable of being a barber. And so given that, you know, if that's all we trained him for, did he, would he want to work at McDonald's? You know, like, yeah, right. So there's a world beyond stacking groceries and, you know, bagging groceries and, and being, uh, you know, uh, um, a barber. That's amazing. I know we've taken a lot of your time, but I know that Sissy probably has some points to clarify or some ideas that she thinks about. Listening. Yeah, there, there are several things that you talked about. One was the idea that when he was first tested, they suggested his IQ might be 58. Well, obviously, he mm-hmm. it, it is not. And I think that is important for families of people with autism, because when they're assessed, it's not unusual for those scores to be in those low numbers where you go, but that's not the kid I know, you know, as a teacher, I can remember thinking that that's not, that's not what I see. You know, he, uh, he went and changed the name. I can remember one student who went and changed the name of my hard drive on my computer, which I didn't even know was capable of happening, but he had figured it out. And I thought that's not, that's Mm -hmm. not a 58 IQ or the student who had figured out how to program the video recorder at home before the family did, you know? So I'm so glad that you said that. And did you know in your heart that that did not represent him? Well, I'm really glad that you bring that up too, because I don't, you know, those numbers, whatever they are, lower or anywhere, whatever range, I I think it's, You know, it's just too easy for us to label and want to put people in boxes because Mm -hmm. we're trying to make it easier for everybody else around that person Mm -hmm. instead of working individually, you know, with that person. And when my son was first diagnosed, I think one of the, the, the worst, most horrible things that happened was that the professionals that were around us the doctors and some of the other professionals, they were trying to make me understand these were going to be his limitations. Mm -hmm. And I felt they think they were trying to work within their ethical, you know, guidelines Mm -hmm. um, to, to educate me. Mm -hmm. But what it did was it killed my hope for my son. Mm -hmm. It killed any vision of a future that I had for him that we all develop for our children just because temporarily temporarily yeah and then I I went to Hastings at the time was a bookstore and I bought the DSM I think it was the 3TR at that time Uh uh 
And I bought the DSM. I ripped it open. I'm in the parking lot. And I found the section on autism. And I read it from beginning to end in that parking lot. And then I just burst out in tears Mm -hmm. because it was so horrible Mm -hmm. what they said, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized, you know what? All those people that were telling me these things, it all came out of this book. Exactly right, Teresa. And, and they don't know my son. Mm-hmm. They don't know him. And, and, and so I, I just refused to believe that that was, you know, his future. And so thankfully, and I think it was just because I just, I just kept digging kept looking, kept seeking for something that was going to be acceptable for him and for us. And then I stumbled into partners in policymaking and, and, and finally, you know, my hope was restored for him. Yes. He yeah. was able, thank God, you know, he God was, able, is right. was yeah. is able, has, is able to do now. Yeah. It's such a change maker. All of your, well, since I've known you and I'm sure you were before, um, so, you know, thank you. And to see, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Yeah. Or ask? yeah. Uh, well, other curious things. Uh, you talked about the sensory pieces. Um, you also talked about that water has been something of interest for him. Yeah. And I, I can agree. I mean, I can see that in myself, too. I love to be by the water. I love what does that look like now for him instead of watching the toilet flush? What does how does water come into play now? That's a good one. We love to go swimming. We go swimming a lot. He still likes to take a lot of showers. Ooh. He'll take he he takes soaker baths. He enjoys them. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And what a wonderful way to recognize this is something that is joyful to me and I'm going to allow myself to have this joyful mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then not it doesn't take flushing the toilet repeatedly. So that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now when he was little. A lot of that water was splashing out of the tub. And <laughs> okay. we, at the time, we had a little frame house. I don't know if you remember it, Susan. I do. This little frame wooden house up on blocks. And um, my husband had to tear that subfloor out and replace that subfloor three times because oh my of goodness. The water. Well, the termites finally got mm-hmm. into that wood. So we had, we tore down that house mm-hmm. because it was going to come down. Mm-hmm. So ultimately I think the water did, yeah. did, did contribute, but we got it. We ended up building a new house um, in the same place and it's on, it, it has a, a, a foundation, a cement foundation. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. You also said that he had a sensory diet. Tell tell us what what a daily diet kind of thing would look like for him. So uh sensory diet isn't food. It's it's right, you know, right, right. I meant right. like what were the activities but that a lot of a lot of people when I mention that they think that they don't know that it's about not about food. So that's why I just thought I'd mention that. But um yes. and I know you knew. So 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 basically a lot of things that you know, I bought Will Barger brushes so that, you know, I could, I could, you know, rub his skin the way that he wanted it to be um, rubbed with those brushes. I had been told not to do it on his abdomen or on his, on his face, but he begged me to, yeah. to rub 
you know, to brush his, his stomach and to brush his face. And so I remember one time he was laying across my lap and I'm lightly, I'm brushing with that Wilbarger brush and I'm, and I brushed his face and it was like, he just melted like butter in my arms. It, it obviously felt really, really good to him. Yeah. So we did that. We, this wasn't a typical house. You know, a lot of kids aren't allowed to jump on the beds. My son was allowed to jump on the beds um, along with his little brother because they both needed sensory integration. Um, and so uh, oftentimes he'd be jumping on the bed. We we played this uh, this game where he would slide between his mattress and the box spring with his head hanging out. And I'd be sitting on the floor, leaning up against the bed, and I'd be having a conversation with my son. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah he, he, was, he loved that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, I would go to the park where they had the, the spinning tire swings, mm-hmm. and I'd spin them and spin them, and then I'd stop them, and I'd spin them, spin them the other way. And I was not the parent who just sat in the waiting room. When we went to sensory integration therapy, I was in there and I would take his baby brother and we had to use him, the baby brother, as a transition tool for for his older brother because he was having so much fun in the ball pit. He didn't want to go over here, you know. And so we, you know, bounce his little brother on the big ball and then, you know, we'd have to scoop him right up because here comes my son and uh wanting to to jump on that big ball. So he, he they both were able to get the sensory integration that they needed. That's amazing. And, um, yeah. So I learned I learned being in there with that therapist what yeah. I needed to be able to do at home in between those weekly sessions also. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about um, advocacy, but you got to it before I even could with him saying that he didn't want the second bus. He had learned self-advocacy fairly early on and you had honored that, you know, you had honored his need for self-advocacy. So you taught him that it would work. Yeah, well, and that's the where the Barbara Jordan Media Award came in because I wrote an article. I was invited by the editor of a local newspaper to write an article, which I didn't think I could do, but I did it because I felt like it was my responsibility to do it, um, to advocate for him, to advocate for for you know all children, and uh, so the name of the article was "Writing the Second Bus." Oh, I love oh. it. Oh, Teresa, I'm wow. so glad that we reconnected. Yeah. I remember I called you during COVID, um, actually looking for a reference. And um, I'm so glad that we've been able to stay in touch and text and talk. And um, you're one of those parents who just touched a place in my heart years and years ago because I just knew, you know, that you were going to become great things, both a mom and um, helping the rest of society and helping these poor people who are dealing with trauma and um you know, finding the seed. So we thank you so much for being here. Sissy, is there anything else you wanted to say? I think that we've covered it all, except that I do appreciate hearing about you and your son and how he, you know, challenged you to do new things and uh, that you allowed him to pursue what was important to him. Yes. Well, he showed me a different way to to think and see things. So Mm -hmm. for example, one of my favorite stories, I used to hate walking underneath all the grackles, the birds that were like, you know, Uh and then I'm walking out there with him. We're going to the bus and he says, mama, listen, 
the birds are laughing. Oh, it practically brings me to tears every time because he showed me a different way to think. It's totally because I am the same way. I would not have wanted to reckon the grackles because Sissy knows I have a lot of auditory sensitivities as I get older. And um, I love that's just a different way of processing what to me would be aversive stimuli. And he's listening to it as laughing. So I'm going to think of him wherever, whenever I hear talking birds. (laughs) That's fascinating. Well, Gwen, thank you, Teresa, so much for your time and for you sharing your story of your son. Didn't she do a nice job telling cool stories about her son's comedic timing and, you know, being a part of the football team forever, you know, and throughout his high school career, which was so cool. Yeah, I I really enjoyed hearing about him being a part of his community and being connected to the kids. That's that is beautiful. So beautiful. And that's, you know, our goal, as always, for all of our learners as they become adults. And I love that he became a barber. And it kind of, I think I said it in the in the conversation about, you know, watching the water drain or go through the toilet. It makes perfect sense that he would become a barber to watch the water. <laughs> and, you know, what a cool kid. He got his driver's license. He passed star reading. And I, I really, you know, I, I felt for her when Teresa, when she talked about, you know, when her child was young and the doctor telling her about his limitations in life, you know, yeah. how's that for a doctor's prognosis and, and just about her going into the parking lot after buying the diagnostic and statistical manual and just, you know, becoming so upset. So, you know, he's definitely, um, is it, you know, talk about glass ceilings, I guess was what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And and it's a beautiful story for families to hear because there's still families hearing those kinds of things from doctors, Ooh. still hearing about what their child's limitation is going to be. And uh, maybe not. Maybe that won't be their limitation. Maybe they'll become an artist or a barber or you know, a researcher, there's just any number of things that a person on the spectrum can learn to do. And he's a beautiful example of that. Yeah. And we know that, right? We've had guests on the podcast that are Mm -hmm. one, a PhD, married as a CEO of a company. We have another colleague who's a teacher, Nicholas, who has his master's and three levels of black belt in Taekwondo. We have uh, Debarshi, a friend who hopefully is going to be on our podcast soon, who's working on a computer science degree. He's going to be a coder for sure. You know, I mean, I know we talked this spring with one of our guests in Nashville who doctor basically told her that the issue was her and not her child. We talked about that whole refrigerator mom theory, you know, back in the what, 60s. So, Sissy, I do have a question. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. (sighs) What have you said now? What if I said no? Well, then I suppose people would be like, well, no question this week. Um, All right. So her son got his Texas driver's license. He learned the route to school and back to home. He now drives wherever he wants to go, as his mom said. So my question is, with regard to the levels of learning, Teresa's son learned to drive within his community and beyond. Would this be examples of A, acquisition and fluency, B, fluency and maintenance, C, acquisition and generalization, D, acquisition and maintenance? 
Wow. That's a really good question because it's a little tricky because you're really needing to choose the best answer, right? Because there's how the test is. Yeah, exactly how the test is. And and from like even just a parent's perspective is understanding the levels of learning can be really helpful. Yes, my child is acquiring this skill. Am I seeing them become fluent with it? Am I seeing them? Yeah. Am I seeing them go through the levels? So obviously there's acquisition and fluency. Yeah. Yeah. I agree there sure. uh, that that could happen. But is that the best answer? So he has the ultimate goal, right? He has what we want for our students. He's got the skill and he's using it whenever he needs, wherever he needs it in the absence of teaching and with a variety of, uh, he could probably drive any car. Yeah, a variety of, of environments, you know, yeah. a variety of destinations. So we would have to say that must be acquisition and generalization. So why would you say that and not say acquisition and maintenance or fluency and maintenance? What's the rationale if you're taking the test? If I'm taking the test and I'm trying to talk it through, I'm going to say to myself that fluency and maintenance are assumed in generalization. Now, when we're teaching kids in a classroom, we may go back and do some maintenance probes and make sure they still have the skill. But we don't need to do that with him because he's getting where he needs to go in his car. His behaviors are showing us that he is maintaining that skill. Not only has he maintained it, he's generalized it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if Teresa and her other children wanted to do maintenance probes, you know, they could <laughs> say to their their brother every or her son every couple of weeks, hey, buddy, let's go drive. Make sure you maintain <laughs> the skill. But, you know, I don't know that that's as natural uh, as it would be in a, you know, in a classroom study to probe, you know, every couple of weeks and see if the child is still, you know, brushing their teeth independently or what have you. But yeah, so with taking the test, you're always, like you said, Sissy, looking for the best answer. And I like the way you described that, that the other levels of learning between acquisition and generalization are definitely implied or assumed because we got to generalization. So Good job, Ms. Carter. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, everybody, uh, as always, thanks for listening. Next week, we are going to have a, a cool conversation with someone who's not in the world of education or autism or behavior analysis, but he is an artist who practices behavioral principles. We see principles <laughs> every day, all day. Yeah. I, I mean, behavior, we've said this too many times. ABA is a science. It's there. It's happening, whether you realize it or not. The behaviors are being set up and the behaviors are being maintained by the things that happened before and the things that happen after. So just one little quick story before we go, everybody. You know, I was thinking about my behavior, my dog's behavior last night and <laughs> We have really established, well, they have really established routines for me. Um, we eat dinner at six o'clock and at about 620 to 6.30, Bo will stand by the door and look at me. So he has conditioned my behavior to take them out. And then, you know, the evening goes on. I settle in. I have my dinner. I watch whatever. I'm do whatever I'm doing. And then about 9.30, he stands by the door and looks at me, you know, and then about 10.15, we go to bed. And it's so funny because... He, they need the routines, you know, I also have Blossom, but I guess I need the routines as much as they do because I continue to 
follow their cues to take care of their personal needs. So (laughs) anyway, as always, you guys have a great weekend and we'll talk with you soon. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.